Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. We're in the month of March, and that means things are picking up at the Texas Capitol. And we're going to give an update. You know, this is a weekly show that we do now on Facebook Live, but we've been doing it for over four years as a radio program and a podcast. You can find it on our website, txvalues.org. You can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, and a lot of different formats. But we give a weekly update to let you know what's happening on the issues of faith, family, and freedom particularly as it relates to the state of Texas and the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And when you talk about the legislature, you know that's where we put a lot of our focus, particularly during the state legislative session that meets every other week. They meet for about 140 days from January through May, and so we're right in the middle of that. And when you get into March, things start to move. Some of that relates to how the Constitution is written, when bills can start receiving hearings, and things of that nature. But some of it is just that's when things do start to move. They get a little bit more organized. We get an idea of what type of bills are going to be important. And that's what we're going to talk about today is major announcement about a religious liberty bill. Also some great updates on the Save Women Sports issue and a little bit of pro-life updates for you as well. So hang around with us for about 25, 26 minutes. And if you're watching on Facebook, share this into a group. Share this on your personal page. Like it, comment on it and do all those things so we can get a lot more attention and multiply our reach during this program. But it's not just me today. We've got our director of policy, Jonathan Covey, who's going to be a part of the program today. And we're going to talk about some of the things that are happening as it relates to religious liberty, marriage and family, and pro-life issues. And Mr. Covey, I don't know if I can see you I, I, uh, on my screen, but I know when right before we started, you were there. So just check in and say hello. Uh, I am here, Jonathan. Great All right, there we go. It. Now I've got the, I guess maybe when you talk, since we're doing it through Zoom, maybe it pulls you in. So now I can see you on my screen as well. So, and look, I know you had a great event last night. You were out in the, you know, north of Houston, Montgomery County area. A lot of people fired up. Love to hear a little bit about that. But before we get into some of that details, and look, if you're looking for a speaker, we do go throughout the state and speak to groups, particularly this time of year when people can't always come to the Capitol and they want to know what's going on. But the headline, the title of this program, if you will, this segment is about a major announcement on religious liberty. So we want to get right into that with our director of policy, Jonathan Covey. You know, earlier this week, there was an announcement that a bill had, be, uh, had been renumbered, if you will. This is a religious liberty bill by Senator Angela Paxton. There's also an identical version of it in the House. And the Senate bill was Senate Bill 251, but now it's been renumbered. To Senate Bill 26. And that's not a surprise because we heard a week or so ago that the Lieutenant Governor decided there would be 31 bills or items that he would designate as priorities. And freedom, protecting the freedom to worship, religious liberty was one of them. We had an idea that it could probably be Senator Paxson's bill. So her bill got renumbered to that low bill number of Senate Bill 26. And I'm just going to talk about a little bit about that bill, but I'm going to bring you in on the process side. That bill is very clear. It's about making sure that the government cannot close churches, particularly during a pandemic or other emergency issues, that that's off limits. And there's a good reason for that. We saw a lot of churches dealing with that last year. Some are still dealing, that, uh, dealing with that in other parts of the country. We're calling it the Protect Our Freedom to Worship Act. And it is about protecting that freedom to worship because it's come under attack. There's a, as I mentioned, there's an identical bill in the House. But, you know, uh, our Director of Policy Jonathan Covey is a veteran of the Capitol, worked for Senator Bob Hall, worked for Chief of Staff for uh, Representative James White. You know when a bill gets a low bill number, particularly on the Senate side, that's pretty important. 
Well, yeah, Jonathan, absolutely. And thanks for having me on this morning. But you're absolutely right. Whenever, and, and for those of, of you not familiar with the process, especially in the Senate, but also in the House of Representatives, uh, a lot, oftentimes the leader of a chamber will designate certain, certain issues to be priorities. And like Jonathan said, whenever a bill number is refiled as something generally under number 30, uh, that designates and, and means that this has really become a priority for the lieutenant governor. And that's what happened with this religious freedom bill with Senator Paxton's bill. It was originally filed as Senate Bill 251, but then was refiled uh, just a few days ago as Senate Bill 26, which really puts a lot of importance on the religious freedom issue. And this bill in particular contains very important language that we were really honored to be a part of helping uh, develop having to do with protecting places of worship. And that, that particular phrase is very important, but places of worship where people go to worship, to, to, um, to live in their faith, to worship in their faith. And that is, that's very encouraging. It means a lot of momentum is going forward on this side. And it's a, it's a really a huge announcement on the religious freedom front. Yeah, look, it's very encouraging, creates some momentum, as you mentioned. And it's not just limited to the four walls of a church, right? That's why you've got that phrase in there, place of worship. We saw that sometimes you'll have services that are outside. Sometimes you'll have a sunrise service where people will be outside. They won't necessarily be inside the building. Uh, I know there's churches that I've attended that do that in special times. Sometimes it is around Easter that you'll see those things. And so, and sometimes people will meet in buildings that may not necessarily be uh, a building that they're in the same building every week, or maybe they're renting it for a short period of time. So we want to make sure that that was clear. And that's where the phrase comes in, places of worship. But we're excited about it. And not a surprise that the lieutenant governor would support this. Um, not a surprise that the bill number would be refiled with a low bill number because the lieutenant governor, as I mentioned earlier, said a week or so ago that this would be one of his priority items. Really, I think these can be called must-pass bills. I mean, this is what the governor, lieutenant governor is saying, we need to get these things done. And thousands of bills will get filed, hundreds will get passed. Uh, but if you're on that short list, it matters. And sometimes when you're going through the process, if your bill number has a lower number, there can they can sometimes organize them in uh, numerical order, so to speak. Right. So the lower your number is, the maybe the quicker they get to that when you start running into timing issues later in the session. So there, there can be a lot of importance and value to that. We also know not just the lieutenant governor. The governor has talked about this being an issue. I mean, this was three, four weeks ago that he had his state of the state address. And he said that he wanted to protect these issues as it relates to churches. He, he said he wanted to see legislation on this issue. And so this and look, there are other bills that are filed. Uh, Senator Kelly Hancock has a bill, SJR 27. HJR 72 by Jeff Leach that touches on some of those these issues as well. Those are constitutional amendments. So a lot of activity, but certainly this getting a low bill number gets a lot of attention. And we sent an action alert out. So if you haven't checked our website, if you don't get our email, you didn't get the action alert. All right. You need to sign up at txvaluesaction.org or txvalues.org. Get those updates because, boy, as soon as we saw that, we were trying to push something out so people would know. And what we asked is, Call your Senate member and ask them to be a co-sponsor of this bill. Sign their name officially is already supporting it. That way we know, hey, we've got enough support to get on the floor and to have a majority of the votes. And look, I mean, it shouldn't be a hard issue, not only for Republicans, but for Democrats. I imagine we'll see some bipartisan and some common ground support. But 
let's get going, right? So that was the purpose of our action alert to tell people, hey, we've got uh, the, it's a priority item for Lieutenant Governor. It's got a low bill number. Let's get all these senators signed on. I think about 11 have signed on so far. And last time I checked, there are 31 members in the Senate. So there's a few more names that can be added to that list. Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. And not to leave out, I want to I want to uh, just mention um, also uh, the House side bill, companion bill for that. Representative Scott Sanford is carrying a, a bill on the House side, HB 1239 as well. And it's important to be able to call your representatives in the House and get them out to, to support this bill, to co-author this bill, because we want it moving on both sides. And that's really how you get legislation passed is you, you start you start legislation on both sides and both in the House and in the Senate, and they work up and they work through to the opposite chambers. So it's it's very important that our representatives are on this as well. But like you said, uh, HJR 72, Senator Kelly Hancock uh, proposing a constitutional amendment. Um, H, uh, SJR, uh, I'm sorry, SJR is 27. Uh, yeah, 27. 7772, right? It, how it's an up. opposite thing there, Jonathan. So, it might make it easy to remember, right? It might make it easier to remember. But or Senator not. Kelly Hancock and Representative Jeff Leach both carrying those constitutional amendment proposals. And we've got those coming as well. So we're very excited that they're uh, involved in this and they're filing legislation. But this is an issue that has uh, really gotten a lot of attention, especially since last year when the pandemic started around March or April and a lot of churches were having uh, trouble staying open. Local government jurisdictions were coming in saying, no, you can't operate at full capacity. You have to operate in your parking lot or something like that. And, and this, this was, became an issue, and especially in other states where, for instance, in the state of Nevada, where casinos were allowed to remain open, but churches were required to remain Boy, closed. I tell you what, that, uh, you know, and I can remember that Saturday night, the first time I saw, whether it was city of Austin or Travis County put out an order, and it was like eight or nine o'clock at night. And they said that the, starting at 2 a.m. the next day, which was a Sunday, that churches were ordered to be closed, and I'm thinking, oh, are, are you kidding me? Oh, so we got four, maybe five hours notice in the middle of the night. I mean, look, a lot of, you know, pastors and, and priests and so on by eight or nine o'clock on Saturday, they're already asleep. I mean, there are seven, seven thirty, you know, eight a.m. services a lot of times. And so I know I walked into church the next morning and my priest hadn't even heard of it. He was like, huh, whatever. I mean, you know, and so uh, but we saw that, you know, within a day or so, everyone was like, whoa, we're going to have to deal with this. And so caught off guard, not enough notice. And this is the disrespect we see sometimes by the local government and certainly uh, the state governments in other states. Uh, I think we did see some pretty good support in our state, but that it created confusion from people because they were like, well, the governor says this, but the local government's saying that, you know, who's going to look out for me if I end up somewhere in between? It was very confusing and it left a lot of people saying, oh, well, maybe we should just not, you know, open up because they didn't want to, you know, have some type of fine or God forbid, end up, you know, with a pastor in jail or, or whatever the situation would be. But then you see the other places that are open, to your point, and some of these other states, casinos, liquor stores. I mean, these so-called adult entertainment strip clubs, if you will. I mean, really, those are essential. Somehow they're able to stay open, but a church isn't. And, and there's still cases in other parts of the country, I think California particularly, where this issue is being litigated in the courts. We're already a year almost into this. And so the time is now to act. Senate Bill 26 by Angela Paxson. Tell your Senate member to support this, the Protect Our Freedom to Worship Act. And in the House, House Bill 1239 by Scott Sanford as well. We need to get 
a lot of show of support. We need to get those bills moving. And look, hearings are already starting to happen. I mean, we could have a hearing pretty soon on any of these bills, and, and particularly with uh, what the lieutenant governor is doing on his side. I imagine the Senate could get moving very quickly. And so just make sure you're signed up for our alerts. Get those text alerts, too. Go on our website, sign up to get a text alert. Sometimes it's easier to see that when we need people to respond on a moment's notice. But you know, these issues will continue to be important. And speaking of getting involved in our issues and signing up, come to our Faith and Family Day on March 17th, where you're likely hear from some of these elected officials that are working on these issues. Uh, and so I believe that Senator Paxton is confirmed to come. I know we're working out some of the details. I know Senator Kelly Hancock, Matt Krause, a lot of great elected officials. We're going to be working with Texas Eagle Forums, uh, Concerned Women for America, a lot of great groups of people are familiar with, Texas Pastor Council. Uh, the problem is the event's sold out. Uh, you know, look, it, it just got real interesting this year and important and popular. So we're out of seats in person, but don't worry. Okay, wait, there's more. All right. You can get the live stream option. And, and, and look, you could, here's the thing. We'll, as many people that want to come to the Capitol, come to the Capitol. The facility where we're having it at TPPS office across the street from our building on nine, uh, 900 Congress, or I forget um, what their address is, 901 Congress on the opposite side of us. But you could meet us at the Capitol or right outside that building. We, we're just out of space for that building. We had to cap it. We sold it out. But if you want to meet us on the north steps of the Capitol, you want to meet us inside the Capitol, we invite you to do that. You could be watching the live stream from wherever. And so, uh, so some options to do that, but go to texasfaithandfamily.com. Still chance to sign up, at least for the live stream. And you can come to the Capitol with us later that day because we are definitely going to make our voice heard on Faith and Family. Mr. Covey, I'm going to bring you back in. Uh, other activity that we're working on too, that's important, the Save Women Sports issue. We expect the heartbeat bill to be filed uh, soon in the Senate. But, you know, one of our neighbors sort of has passed already the Save Women Sports Bill, and that issue is getting a lot more attention. Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. So um, as you know, uh, state of Mississippi recently passed the Save Women Sports Act, and, and, it's, and it's an issue really that we're very excited about as well. In particular, we're, we've been working with Representative Valerie Swanson to create legislation that makes sure that biological men who claim uh, to identify as women aren't displacing biological women in their own sports. And, and Jonathan, it really comes down to an issue of fairness. So, and, and here's why. Back in 2019 in Connecticut, there were two transgender athletes who competed and they won state championship titles in over 10 different categories in women's athletics. They dominated everything. And there were, these were males who were in the lowest rung of their comp competition on the men's side the year before, 10 different state championship titles had been held by eight different women. And the point is, we really can't ignore physiological makeup. We really can't ignore biological reality. Well, and look, this is an issue that's growing with concern. You've now got the federal government, the Biden administration, trying to force everyone to adopt these policies that allow biological men to compete with women and really take a lot of their spots. And a lot of women feel like their spots are being stolen. I mean, that it, this is not right at all. And some of it's under the guise of the uh, so-called Equality Act. Well, well, how is that fair? How is that equal when you have someone who has a biological difference that's scientific? I mean, there's a reason why we have women's sports and men's sports. And, and the thing that's interesting about that, too, for decades, women have been fighting 
just to be on equal footing, if you will, to get the same amount of attention, the same amount of funding when it re relates to schools, or at least something close to that when it comes to the amount of, of awards and pay and when you get into the professional side of things. And so uh, and for many young ladies, right, this is their opportunity to go to school, to have their college supplemented or, or, or somehow supported. That's their opportunity is to excel in sports and that's being taken away. And so a lot of women on the left and the right are saying it's gone too far. And that's well, why you see litigation and legislation. And, and you're exactly right, Jonathan. And not only does it does it cheat women out of opportunities for grants and for scholarships, also science, you know, science tells us, common sense tells us that males are generally bigger, they're generally faster, they're generally stronger than females, and they have larger hearts, they have larger lungs, denser bones, and no amount of hormone therapy can undo all those advantages. And I will say this bill, out of a lot of the bills that we've been working on, has really been gaining momentum uh, in the House of Representatives, and Representative Swanson has gotten close to 65 co-authors on this bill. So we're pretty uh, excited about Is that the, the number now? Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Well, looking at matters because you only need 75. Well, I guess technically 76, one over a majority, in, uh, excuse me, one over half of the make up the legislature and you're home free, so to speak. Right. So if you can already show on paper, and this is what it is, the, the legislature has an electronic process and website where a member of the Texas House could go in there and, and have their name signed on as a co-author. So don't allow, if your member saying, yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't really do that, or that's not really an issue. If somehow you feel like you're not getting the right information, they can ask someone to put their name on there. And many members do that because they want to make it clear where they stand. And if they're not willing to put their name on there, you might, you know, it might leave some question. Well, were they with me or are they against me? You know, where are they on this issue? So ask them to sign on to that bill, House Bill 1458. We know there's a bill in the Senate. It's not identical, very similar. Senate Bill 373 by Senator Charles Perry. So, but this is how you get momentum on legislation is you show that you have all these co-authors. And anytime you've got, look, more than like 10 or 15, I mean, when you start getting into double digits and, you know, 30, 40, 50, 65 co-authors, that is a huge sign that you've got the will of the legislature behind your back. And I imagine, I don't know if they'll sign on, I'm hearing uh, around the Capitol and Democrats are seeing that this is an important issue and, and, and they might jump on or support it when this issue comes to the floor. Uh, but, and some of the reason for this is because of the pressure from the other side. You've got biological men that now decide that they're women and they are trying to force people to adopt these policies. They're trying to take these spots away from women. Women did not start this fight, okay? But I tell you what, they're not gonna run from it. And, and so, but if you don't have a consistent policy, they will take advantage of it. If we don't have a consistent policy in our state, they'll take advantage of it. Hey, we're run, almost running out of time. So I wanna jump to the pro-life issue and go to our website, txvalues.org, come to the Faith and Family Day. You'll get more updates on where we are on legislation. But, uh, and there's a lot of different bills that we're working on and following, but we wanted to just highlight a few. I want to uh, touch on the heartbeat bill. We know that 12, if not 13 states now have filed, excuse me, and passed a heartbeat bill over the past couple of years. There's one that's, um, you know, we're expecting Senator Hughes is going to be filing something soon. We've seen talk about it uh, amongst the legislature. The Senate, speaking of low bill numbers, Lieutenant Governor has designated the heartbeat bill in the Human Life Act and a few other bills as, as designated as pro-life bills, or I think two, the heartbeat bill being one. This is an issue, too, 
that I think you're going to see a lot of momentum behind and people are going to connect with well. And it's going to be one of the key issues that we're going to get into soon at the legislature. Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. So we are expecting Senator Hughes to file shortly. We know he's been working on co-authors for what we're calling the Texas Heartbeat Act. And it is something that we always highlight because it's a top tier priority for us. Um, and uh, when I was, you know, uh, when I was looking last night, I pulled a, a report with our, our proprietary software that we use for tracking legislation. And there are over uh, 27, 28 uh, different pro-life bills floating around out there, uh, either wow, not awesome side or Senate side. So it's a really encouraging thing. But the Heartbeat Act is one that we initially approached legislators about. We've been working diligently to get it filed and get it moving along in the process. And the basic idea is to require physicians to 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 test for a detectable heartbeat. And then if a heartbeat is detected the physician is, is prohibited from knowingly performing an abortion on a woman. And the violation for that is, uh, among other things, is a state jail felony. So there are a number. Yeah, of look, I mean, you're talking about life, right? I mean, right. you talk about whether or not uh, you end a life. And it's interesting, too, because when you think about this issue, it's something that we use to identify life all the time. Does someone have a pulse? Does someone have a detectable heartbeat? When the mother goes to find out if she's pregnant or, you know, it has some early signs, but once confirmation, that's one of the things that they look at, right? When they go into um, checking out how they're doing, is there a detectable heartbeat? And so it's such a universal sign. It's such a universal signal of life. And when we know that, and if there's not a heartbeat, right, when someone's not doing well, we try to find a way to bring them back to life or to save them. But it is such a universal indicator that I think people realize, you know, what's the difference here when we're talking about an unborn child? And so uh, that's why a lot of states, you know, over a dozen states have already passed it. And, you know, look, there are going to be court challenges, but you've got Amy Coney Barrett now in the U.S. Supreme Court and you have a lot of momentum. And, and the way some of these courts cases have been analyzed, it's different from what they did at Roe versus uh, with Roe versus Wade. And so really an interesting and likely opportunity to have some new law written and for people not to be concerned about, you know, oh, well, the, you know, the pro-abortion sides are probably going to file a lawsuit. They file a lawsuit on just about every pro-life bill. You know, you've got different judges on the court now. You think about the, the nominees and new judges that President Trump has put in two, if not 300. I mean, pretty high number, many of them on the federal bench here in Texas and our neighboring states as a part of the Fifth Circuit. So the, the question really is, you know, do we care about life? And, and if that matters, this is an important bill to make that clear. And that's one of the reasons that we're supporting it. And you've seen it supported in other parts of the state. We're about out of time, Mr. Covey. Look, I'm excited. Faith and Family Day, less than two weeks away. Things are starting to hop a little bit at the state legislature. I know you got to go to another event last night. Were the people out in Montgomery County, were they excited? Were there, was there a lot of energy, a lot of interest in not only our issues, but what's going on in our state? Oh, man, Jonathan, they were fired up. Everyone was fired up. We, we talked about constitutional issues. We talked about everything from the Equality Act to state legislation, but it was a really great group in Montgomery County. I was just so privileged and so honored to be able to come and speak with them last night. Really world-class conservatives there, and we had a great time. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I like getting out there, too. There's a lot, of, a lot of energy and people that, you know, they are dug in, all right, that when it comes to Texas, they're ready to stand up for what we believe in, and they appreciate the importance that we have in our state 
and how to impact issues and get things done. And they also know how to get the attention of legislators too, when something's happening that they don't agree with. Uh, but that's the value of what we do. We go and speak to groups. We give updates straight from the Capitol. We've got someone at the Capitol every day of the session. When they gavel in uh, the House or the Senate, we have someone there. we got four members of our team. Consider making a tax-deductible donation today to Texas Values. You can do that at txvalues.org. Try to make plans to come for our Faith and Family Day. If you can't come, come on another day. All right, we'll make some arrangements to be up there with you and show you around, whether it's me, Jonathan Covey, Mary Elizabeth Castle, maybe even Greg McCarthy or other members of our team, get connected with the Church Ambassador Network too. That's a new project we have that you can find out about on our website. Last comment, speaking of Equality Act, that bill was passed in the Congress. This is a pro-abortion. This is an LGBT bill. It's an attack on Christian values and a lot of other principles. It certainly is not about equality. It's really about attacking a lot of constitutional rights. Uh, But the Senate's going to have a little bit trouble passing it but part of our concern is that they're going to come up with an alternative called the Freedom for All Act, which is sort of like this compromise bill, but it's not any better. So if you hear people talking about it, your U.S. senator, your members of Congress, let them know. And we might be uh, messaging more of this. This is just as much of a threat. It is not a solution. All these efforts need to be scrapped and we need to stick with the constitutional protections that we have already and not allow the left to try to redefine them. So we're just about out of time. On this week's Texas Values Report, again, we do this every week. We're on the bridge on Saturday. You want to hear it live at noon. You go to uh, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can hear the podcast. We'll put it out on our email later. But we usually have it at some time early in the day on Friday. And so we'll be giving you those updates on faith, family, and freedom here in Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.